Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Tony Levitt, and I am excited to share today's show with you. First up, I've got a newcomer to the show, 24-7 Sports Basketball Recruiting Analyst Brian Snow. Brian just interviewed Christian Lander, a five-star guard who is committed to Indiana and just reclassified from the class of 2021 to the class of 2020. Brian and I spoke about Christian's decision to reclassify, his game, Indiana's prospects for next season, and some big-picture recruiting stuff. Then, after the break, we'll hear Evan Daniels interview five-star 2021 wing Patrick Baldwin, who just released his final 10 schools, and I'll run down some news items from the past couple weeks. But before we get to Brian, I hope you'll take the time to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The links for all the places where you can get your pods are in the show notes. And if you're using Apple Podcasts, it would be amazing if you could give us a five-star rating and review. That stuff really matters for us in the algorithms, and it makes a big difference for me and for 24-7 sports. So if you have five minutes, really just three, uh, it would be awesome if you could go give us a five-star rating and review. So first up... Brian Snow. All right, now bringing in Brian Snow, national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. And Brian, you broke a big story. Your neck of the woods, Christian Lander, 6'2 point guard, who is committed to Indiana, uh, was in the class of 2021, has reclassified, and, and is now going to be joining Indiana's class of 2020 uh, class. And, and you spoke with Christian for 247sports.com. If you haven't read it already, the link is in the show notes. Uh, what did he tell you about his decision uh, to make the move from 2021 to 2020? You know, Christian's a kid. He was thinking about this move for a while. You started to hear rumblings about it during during his junior season, and but he always he was never quite sure. And I, I think junior year he kind of decided it was in his best interest. He already knew where he was going to school. He didn't have anything to worry about in that regard, and he just kind of felt you know it, it was the right time for him to make the move into college. Christian's a great student, so the actual academic part wasn't as challenging as it would be for most kids. He he. Just had a few summer classes, a few extra classes, and he's still working on that. But this is a kid he can make an impact for Indiana right in a way, and he just felt getting to Bloomington was the right move for his development and his basketball career. Got it. So so I, I imagine a lot of the listeners aren't so familiar with Christian's game. What does he bring to the table for Indiana right away? You know, the first thing, he's a point guard with good size. He's six foot two. He's got long arms. And then he, he's a great athlete. He's got an explosive first step. He can get into the lane virtually whenever he wants. And then he's a good playmaker once he gets there. What's interesting is, is a lot of people think because he's such a good slasher to the rim and because he can get to the rim and buy his guys so easy that he's not a good shooter. He's actually a really good shooter. Now, it's a little bit low on the release, and, and they'll work with that when he gets to college. But he's a kid he can shoot. He can get in the lane and pass. Then he's still got a lot of upside left because he needs to get stronger. And he's going to be one of the youngest players in college basketball next year. So I wouldn't expect this huge, you know, Big Ten player of the year type impact. But I do think he'll have a solid role and he can play right away because he does everything that you want a point guard to do. So do you expect him to be like a two, three year kind of guy at Indiana? Yeah. You know, first thing is that he won't be eligible for the NBA draft age wise. Um, he doesn't turn eight until August, so he wouldn't turn 19 until after the NBA draft, or at least theoretically, assuming everything's normal and the draft is in June like it usually is. So he won't even be eligible age-wise after this year. So I think he's a two-, three-year player for sure for Indiana, and that, that's one of the benefits to getting him to campus early is you 
a worry about him leaving for the NBA after year one. Wow. That's, <laughs> I didn't even realize that. That's really nice for them. So Jerry and I have spoken a couple of times on this podcast about how you guys re-rank players when they recommit. Can you tell the listeners, you know, where was Christian ranked in the 21 class and how difficult and what was the process like re-ranking him for 2020? Yeah, he was number nine in the 2021 class. And I, I believe he finished 24 in 2020. And a lot goes into that. First of all, not all classes are created the same. The 2020 classes right now looks like a deeper class than the 2021 class. So naturally, it's going to be tougher to be in spot, you know, in a deeper class versus a class that isn't as deep. And then also you lose a year of development and you, you just kind of look at a few different factors. What we did is uh, Evan and I really, really parsed through the point guards, decided where we liked them on the point guard list. And then, you know, it was between two guys and we said, oh, put him here. And that turned out to be number 24. So it, it's not the easiest process because you have to change your thinking entirely. But still, we knew we wanted to keep him a five-star. We knew about what range we wanted him in. And then we were able to figure out what we thought was the best spot for him. Okay, so projecting forward now for Indiana into the season itself, Indiana now has moved up to number 13 in the 2020 recruiting rankings, a big jump for them, and they entered Gary Parish's top 25-1 and one at 21 over at CBSSports.com. So where do you think this team fits among the elite Big Ten teams going to this year? You know, I certainly think you can put them ahead of Wisconsin. I don't think you can put them ahead of Iowa. Uh, assuming Luca Garza returns, which the expectation is Luca Garza will return to Iowa. Michigan State's not ultra talented per se, but if they get Xavier Tillman back, do you want to bet against Michigan State and, and Tom Izzo? So I think the best you're looking at for Indiana is, is fourth right now. Um, my concern with Indiana is they are not a good shooting team, and this is an era of shot making and threes. So that's a concern for them. But I do think they will be a top half of the Big Ten team. I think they'll have a chance at a protected seed in the NCAA tournament, which is a top. I think they have a chance to do that. I, I probably wouldn't bet on it, but I think they have a chance to do that. So I think they'll contend. And if their schedule breaks the right way, maybe they finish top two or top three in the Big Ten. But you got a couple teams in, a, in, in an Iowa and a Wisconsin that return a ton from last year that were really on a roll. Uh, one other team that I've been thinking about as Indiana has moved up into this range in the recruiting uh, ranks, and and I saw in your article that you know there there is a good amount of talent in among the guards now at Indiana. How, how do you compare Indiana as a team to Illinois, and specifically in the backcourt, given how much talent Illinois is bringing in uh, in the backcourt? Yeah, that that's what's going to be really interesting. Illinois brings in a pair of really talented guards, and then they also return a senior in Trent Frazier who's really going to be important for them. Indiana's bringing in Christian Lander, and then they got a senior in Al Durham who's back who had a much better year than people think. And, you know, then they got some other young pieces. Rob actually be a junior. So they, they have a lot there. Um, I think Illinois' guards are probably a little bit more talented, but as a whole, they're younger. So maybe you give Indiana the slight advantage there, but it's going to be interesting. Both those teams are are programs that have really, you know, risen up with their new coaches, Brad Underwood at Illinois, Archie Miller at Indiana. And both of them should be, you know, competing for top half, you know, maybe even top two or three in the Big Ten on a semi-consistent basis. 
Got it. Okay. So let's pivot for a second now to some more, maybe macro level recruiting things, because before I let you go, I got a couple more questions. And I did want to ask you about an interesting conversation I saw in the 24 seven sports slack between you Evan Daniels and Bud Elliott, who, who works on the football side. And Bud was asking you, you know, is recruiting in this 2021 cycle looking different, you know, because of the coronavirus, be that in terms of early commits or reclassifications, like in Christian's case. So I was curious, you know, if you could just share your thoughts here on the podcast as well. Yeah, you know, in basketball, it's really weird. From year to year, there there's, tends to be very little pattern. Some years, there's just a whole run on kids who commit early. Other years, everybody waits till August. This year, it's kind of been in between. So that, that's been an interesting factor. Most of the kids who have committed, and I think we're paid in terms of commitments of, of top 150 type kids than we were a year ago. Most of the kids that have committed early have committed to local schools. Now, I think people are starting to like draw, draw a conclusion to that. I think it's more of a correlation than a causation. Um, basically, if you're committing early, you know where you want to go. And usually you know where you want to go because you visited the school, they've seen you the most, you have a good relationship with them, which all just kind of leads to local schools having an advantage in that regard. So I think that's why most of the most of the commitments have been to local schools. I'm not sure that trend will totally continue. When you look at the football side, that hasn't been at all really. Uh, you know, kids are committing from all over to all over. So I think that's going to play out in basketball. Right now, you got some kids thinking like, "Hey, you know, maybe July happens. Why don't I just wait to see?" But the kids who have said like, "Screw it, I know where I want to go. It's going to be to a local school." So I do think there's a correlation between staying committing early in this class based on the coronavirus factors, but I don't know that the causation is, hey, coronavirus, I want to stay local. I, I don't think that applies right now. Uh-huh. And, and, and in terms of like people who are worried about being able to play ball this year, you know, there was a report, was it last week about Jonathan Kaminga, top prospect in 2021 was like 50-50 on, on reclassifying to 2020. Uh, and you saw on the football side, a kid, who tra- a, a top quarterback transferred uh, from high school in Illinois uh, to Florida so that he could play. Do you think that there are going to be uh, more reclassifications or, or transfers to some of these like boarding, you know, top elite basketball high schools so that people can guarantee that they're going to play? Um, personally, I do not. Um, you, you see a lot of it as it is in basketball because it's so much easier to identify, you know, the top kids and, you know, there's so many more prep school options. But so I think you'll see what you normally see um, with the basketball season still being six and a half months away. I just I think that's so far off everybody's radar right now is like, will I be able to play? It's like that's six, seven months from now. I sure hope we're ready to play because if not, we got bigger problems. So I, I don't, I don't think that'll have a huge impact. I, I could be wrong on that, but I don't see that a deciding factor for a lot of kids. Okay. Well, uh, unless you have something else on, on that topic, I've got one last question for you. And you know, you, you're a very busy man uh, uh, who is very plugged in. You've been covering a, a lot of recruitments. And I want to talk about one last five-star recruit. You got a pinned tweet. You're, you're fostering a dog named Kermit. What is the latest buzz on Kermit's uh, recruitment for potential adoption? Yeah. You know, uh, some people have been looking at him and uh, he doesn't have a scholarship offer yet, but there's a lot of interest. He even made an unofficial visit last week. You know, no commitment was made, but, uh, you know, Kermit's got a lot going on. He's, he's a good dog. What's the scouting report? You know, very friendly, very, very friendly. Loves people. Little hit or miss on dogs. 
uh, you know, pretty good athlete, likes to nap a lot, likes on the couch. So, you know, he's got a lot of qualities going for him. Okay, well, if you want to check out any any of Brian's work or to find out uh, the latest scoop on Kermit's recruitment, you should check Brian out be at bsnow247 on Twitter. You can read him on 247sports.com. Brian, we'll have to get you back on the show sometime soon. Anytime. We're going to take a quick break, and on the flip side, we will hear Evan Daniels' interview with five-star wing Patrick Baldwin and run down a few news items, including one transfer that has put a Hall of Famer firmly on the hot seat. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. Now I want to welcome in elite 2021 prospect Patrick Baldwin to 24-7 Sports. Patrick, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am doing well. Uh, how uh, how have you been able to hold up during uh, the quarantine? You able to, to get out on the court and play any and, and work on your game? Yeah, so I've been able to get out on the court a lot. Uh, got a weightlifting station in the uh, garage, so it's been helpful a lot. Um, Dad's been helpful a lot with basketball. we got a hoop outside, so just going back to the old school. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about your development. In what ways do you think your game has progressed maybe from this time last year uh, to this point? Yeah, I mean, I've always been known as that that type of shooter that spaces the floor for everybody. So um, just taking those step forwards defensively and physically has really helped me a lot. Um, I think ball handling's helped a lot. Still improving, but not where I'd like it to be, but definitely improving. But just off-the-bound scoring has really improved for me. When you look at, at guys in the NBA, is there anybody that, that you really try to pull from and model your game after or, or, or maybe even a guy that you think your game is similar to? I mean, I like to look at Clay Thompson, just the way he shoots the ball, spaces the floor, moves without the ball. Um, similar body frames, uh, similar roles. Um, I like to pull from Kevin Durant, just because he's 6'9", elite scorer, 6'10", plus. Uh, Jason Tatum, just kind of those three players I like to pull from a lot. Right. You're obviously known as a guy that can make shots, a guy that's skilled, but from your eyes, what do you see as your biggest strength? I mean, it's obviously my shooting. Um, I mean, I think... People underestimate my basketball IQ, right. um, but I mean, just overall shooting is what stands out. Stands out um, scoring. I mean, I can put the ball in the basket. So, um, defense. Well, my scoring is my strong suit. Got it. You, you you've been ranked in the top three throughout your uh, entire high school career, so it's no surprise that this recruiting process really picked up for you. I, I know you recently narrowed your list of schools down to ten. Uh, how's the whole process going for you? I mean, the whole process has been going pretty smooth. Um, I mean, I just wanted to get my 10 out of the way so I could start narrowing my list down because at that point I didn't have a list. So it was just important to really narrow down my 10 schools and just really start focusing on finding a landing spot for myself. What schools do you feel like have really made you a priority over the course of this prospect and, and said to you, you know, Patrick, you're our guy. You're, you're the one we want. Who's really made you feel... Uh, like they prioritize you in that way. Yeah, I mean, all, all of them have prioritized me in their own way, so I don't want to miss out in any schools. But, I mean, Georgetown, 
the the schools that have really set out are Georgetown, Northwestern, uh, UNC, and Duke. And then, yeah, probably that list right there. Right. Probably. And then Milwaukee, obviously. But right. those are the schools that prioritize me pretty well, pretty hard. Well, let's walk through those and start with Georgetown. What is it about what they've done uh, has stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, they've been one of the few schools that have came to as many games as they came with me. I think they've came to about two or three high school games of mine, been to a lot of my AAU games. So they've been uh, they've been pretty active about uh, getting me on board. So just their activity and obviously Coach Ewing is a big figurehead in sports, uh, especially in basketball. So just a guy that you can learn from and really talk to and really relate to. And he's been in my position, so he can help me out a lot. Right. Now, with Northwestern, there's obviously a family connection to that staff. Your dad uh, worked with Chris Collins. What's that relationship like, and how have they prioritized you? Yeah, I mean, they've kind of said that 2021 is going to be their big class in the year that they kind of break open their program. So they're looking to have a big class with possibly me, Max Christie, a couple other people. So they're trying to put together a nice 2021 class. And um, I mean, obviously, just the family connections, like they've known me uh since fifth grade so i mean it's been pretty cool to, to turn around and have them recruit me come to their program especially considering my parents went there for sure uh, and, and you mentioned duke and i know that's a school you've already taken a visit to well what stuck out about that visit and maybe what stuck out about how they've approached the recruiting process with you i mean that visit i mean anytime you go to cameron indoor or any of those big time blue blood programs there's always a different energy in the gym and those Cameron crazies were there from the tip. Um, I haven't got to sit with them because they do that thing where they call over their recruits and you get to sit with them. So that was pretty fun. Um, I mean, I've got a little bit of family in North Carolina, family, friends. Uh, so it wouldn't be too hard to move into that area. But, I mean, just what stuck out from the visit was obviously the facilities, but also the the amazing amount of wings that they've produced. Um, I mean, they've produced Jason Tatum, Jabari Parker, players like that. So. I mean, just the players that are in my position um, that they've that I've seen have developed in the program. Right. And then uh, their, their rival, North Carolina, they've been all over you, too. Uh, you've taken a visit there. What was that experience like and, and what do you like the most about that program? I mean, just obviously what stands out is their pros that they've produced, but also the championships that they've won and the winning that they've consistently produced. Uh, I mean, the facilities were top tier, so. Anytime you get a blue blood like that, you're always going to get facilities that are top tier. But Coach Williams and that staff, they do a great job caring for their players, developing their players. And they've had a lot of players like Justin Jackson and Cam Johnson that have been in my position too. Um, so just like Duke, they kind of know they kind of know that wing position. Yeah. Well. And you mentioned uh, Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and obviously this is a unique situation for you. Your father's the head coach there. Uh, how is that process? How does How does he go about recruiting you and what kind of – conversations have you two had in terms of uh, do you want to play for your father uh, or do you not? And obviously you've got other great options too. How, how's that dynamic? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm really interested in playing with my father. Um, the only drawback is the Horizon League and that's no disrespect, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of good teams in the Horizon League and Milwaukee would be a very good place for me to be with my father, be with my family for however many years I'm in college. So it'd be a pretty good experience. Um, I mean, I'm not too worried about the competition or anything or the conference or anything, but just getting a chance to play for my father and play in front of my family and play in front of my city pretty much would be a pretty, pretty big deal for me. Right. So, so UW Milwaukee, 
uh, North Carolina, Duke, Northwestern, and Georgetown. Who, who are the other five? Uh, it's Kentucky, UCLA, Virginia, Michigan, and I say Wisconsin. And Wisconsin. Got it. Yeah. Have you, ta- you haven't taken any visits to those five, right? I've taken a visit to Wisconsin. Um, I think that's about it on that list. Got it. What's the plan moving forward? And obviously we're in some weird times as a country and, and you're not able to get on college campuses right now. Uh, but what's, what's kind of your plan of attack with this process now that you've got it down to a working list? Yeah, I mean, really the plan of attack is really to get it down to five is pretty much as soon as possible. Um, just so I can start moving forward to that commitment date, which I haven't really set. Um, but really, I mean, if I can't get on campuses, it's really just about calling and improving myself. So, I mean, I'm just, just going to stay in the gym and um, try to get as much work in as I can. Yeah. Um, considering the gym gym time that's been open. I mean, Wisconsin just opened up, so it should be available now. But, I mean, you've just got to continue to improve and all that stuff will take care of itself. Uh, Patrick, in, in terms of your decision making, are you thinking this is something you want to knock out in the summer, the fall, after your senior season? What What's kind of your thought process with your decision making? I mean, I'd like to knock it out before my senior season. Uh, just have a season where I can just enjoy playing basketball and not worry about recruiting. But obviously, I'll take as much time as I need to to find the right place for me. So, uh, I mean, right now, probably aiming towards beginning of senior year, but I'm not going to set a timetable because I'm not going to do that to myself. Awesome. Patrick, man, I, I appreciate your time. Stay safe out there, and uh, uh, good luck uh, getting back out on the court. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I hope you enjoyed Evan's interview with Patrick Baldwin. Suffice it to say, if your favorite school was included on Patrick's list of 10, you'd better pray that he chooses your school because he is the real deal. Now, let's start off this news rundown with some news from the NBA. The NBA is switching balls from Spalding to Wilson. The NCAA uses Wilson, and I hear you, all my NCAA truthers, rejoice. A week ago today, the NCAA delayed the date for NBA draft-eligible players with college eligibility to return to school. The deadline had been June 3rd, but the key with the June 3rd deadline is that it gave players the chance to work out in front of teams at the NBA Combine, get feedback from the NBA evaluators and their agents, and make informed decisions. Obviously, the coronavirus pandemic precluded the NBA from hosting its annual combine, and it seems a delayed NBA draft is all but a lock at this point, and the NCAA has adjusted its calendar accordingly. Nonetheless, we've seen a couple players choose to remove their names from the NBA draft and return to college even before working out for teams. And most interestingly to me, a couple of them have decided that they will transfer schools to play out their remaining eligibility. On Monday, Utah sophomore Booth Gotch told 24-7 Sports' Evan Daniels he will be removing his name from the NBA draft and from Utah's roster as well. Gotch entered the transfer portal and immediately sparked interest among fans and teams alike. In a follow-up article yesterday, Evan reported that Booth has heard from Minnesota, Arkansas, Nevada, BYU, Utah State, Auburn, Maryland, Vanderbilt, Creighton, Illinois, Georgetown, Oregon, New Mexico, DePaul, Gonzaga, USC, and Texas Tech since joining the transfer portal. That was a mouthful. Gotch averaged over 10 points and contributed nearly six assists and rebounds combined each game at Utah, and his game will likely translate at the high major level. 
Wherever Booth chooses to transfer, he will have to sit out a year before playing out his two remaining years of eligibility. But if you follow me or the show on Twitter, and you should, at HateItOrLoveIt is my handle, and the show is at 247SportsCBBPod, linked in the show notes, you'll know that Gotcha's return to college basketball sparked a question for a number of us. Who has the best name in college basketball? Our boy Kevin Flaherty quickly suggested incoming Baylor freshman Dane Danger, and I won't deny that he has a real shot at the crown. A listener, Chris Bennett, hopped into the fold and suggested Kamaka Hepa, among others, and it became clear that we are going to have to have Kevin on the show to rank the best names in college basketball. So if you have any nominations, hit us up on Twitter. Like I said, the links are in the show notes. Or alternatively, hit us up with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and drop your nominees in your review. Moving on to another post-NBA draft transfer, Mac McClung has entered the transfer portal. The former Georgetown Hoyas story is much more complicated than Booth Gotch's, and I'll try to run down the timeline as simply as possible. On May 5th, Georgetown head coach Patrick Ewing sat down for an interview with Andy Katz, and he said that Mac McClung was withdrawing from the NBA draft and coming back to school. But just hours later, McClung and his representatives at Hazan Sports Management said that wasn't true. McClung was still involved in the NBA draft process. Then, on May 13th, a bombshell. Mac McClung announced that he was going to return to college and enter the transfer portal. In other words, his former coach Patrick Ewing was so out of the loop that he was wrong twice. First, he was wrong when he said that McClung was returning to college on May 5th. And then he was wrong again because he said McClung was going to come back to Georgetown. Mac McClung has heard from a number of schools. His list rivals Booth Gotch's in length and program quality, and wherever he ends up playing, he'll make an impact. McClung is famous for his dunks, but he also improved his three-point shooting last year, averaging almost 16 points a game while Georgetown was playing with a limited roster. But the story here is Georgetown. Those of you who have been listening to the show for a long time will remember that this isn't the first time I've come on the show to talk about a Georgetown transfer. Last fall, three players transferred away from Georgetown amid allegations of assault, along with a fourth player who just didn't want to play at Georgetown anymore. And that conversation feels relevant yet again. At the time, I said that Ewing was bungling the situation. First, by playing players who are under investigation for awful violent crimes, knowing full well what they were accused of. He called the ringleader of the alleged attack a leader who the team will miss, and then he inexplicably included the fourth transfer alongside those who were under investigation, even though his transfer had only to do with basketball. An unfair association, to say the least. Now, Mac McClung is the fifth player to transfer away from Georgetown in under a calendar year, and I learned from the Georgetown student newspaper that he is the eighth transfer since Ewing became Georgetown's coach before the 2017 season. McClung gave an interview to ESPN in which he said, quote, It was a number of different events that made me feel I had no choice but to transfer from Georgetown. This damning indictment of the program is shocking to me because as recently as a month ago, it looked to me that the program was on the up and up. Ewing is in the mix for some really talented players in the class of 2021, including Patrick Baldwin, who you heard from earlier. And despite losing four rotation players at the beginning of last season, Georgetown made a serious push for the NCAA tournament before the season was canceled. 
I had been monitoring them alongside another team that finished last season with a shortened rotation and a coach on the hot seat. That was Texas and Shaka Smart. Texas was ravaged by injuries, and Georgetown was short on players due to transfers, but both made serious strides winning games in which just six players got to see the floor. So it seemed to me that both coaches were doing what they had to do to get him off the hot seat. But since then, they have moved in entirely different directions. Shaka brought in a top 10 recruit in Greg Brown, and they are listed among most way-too-early top 25s. And then Ewing lost another two key contributors in McClung and Omar Yurtsevin, who left for the NBA draft. I'm no insider, so I can't tell you what the mood is like at Georgetown, but I am able to collect facts and present them together. This McClung draft and transfer saga is not a good look for Patrick Ewing, and we will have to monitor the situation as we get closer to the season. Wherever McClung decides to transfer, he will have to sit out one year, and then he will have two remaining years of eligibility. Whew, deep breath. Okay, so before we get out of here, I've got one last story for you, and unlike the McClung situation, I think it'll make you laugh. So Zion Williamson was in the news, uh, twice I guess, if you count the allegations that were levied against him by his former agent. But the news that got my interest was that Spike Lee was thinking about starring Zion in a remake of the 1998 classic, He Got Game. I just think that'd be hilarious. Can you imagine Zion in a movie with his unassuming walk just kind of lumbering onto the screen and then yamming on fools? To be honest, Zion has probably been destined for the big screen since he popped up on our Instagram feeds in the white and red of Spartanburg High School. Those windmills on poor kids who just wanted to hoop were too good to pass up. But of course, here's the kicker. IMDb summarizes He Got Game as a movie about, quote, a basketball player's father must try to convince him to go to a college so he can get a shorter sentence. In other words, choosing to go to a college based on impermissible benefits. This news coming out the same week as allegations that Zion's family was given all sorts of stuff to go to Duke was too rich to leave unremarked upon. And I hope you found that as funny as I did. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode of the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I hope you'll take the time to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. I put the links in the show notes, so subscription is just one click away. We've got a lot of cool stuff in the works for you, but I want the show to cover the stuff that interests you. Banana Slug Pab on Twitter asked me for some UVA talk, so we will be delivering Virginia soon. And yes, that is his actual Twitter name. So hit us up with topics on Twitter or in the five-star reviews. We'd love to give you the content you want. For Brian Snow, Evan Daniels, Patrick Baldwin, Chris Bennett, Booth Gotch, Dane Danger, and Banana Slug Pab, I'm Tony Levitt, and we'll see you next week with another edition of the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. 
As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.